You're listening to Latin America in Focus. Latinoamérica in Foco. América Latina in Foco. A podcast by America Society, Council of the Americas on politics, economics, and culture in the region. Hello, this is Holly Sonneland of ASCOA Online. Will Venezuela default in 2016? That's what I talked about recently with Jaime Roish of Moody's, where he heads analysis and ratings of Latin American sovereigns. So, Jaime, I was wondering if first you could explain to us what is the bottom line equation for Venezuela's budget this year? What are the big line items? Well, pleasure to be here, and thank you for the invitation. I, I, in Venezuela, what's, what's relevant uh, in, in terms of what makes the equation sustainable is, is the oil price in terms of their external finances. So in that regard, a lot of investment houses and everybody in the market always tries to see what is the financing gap uh, for the external accounts, for the balance of payments, and how much they need in order to make these uh, balance of payments sustainable. In this regard, you finance this balance of payments deficit with these low oil prices, with you know credits from China, um, or usually investments, but in Venezuela's case, as we know, the economy is so closed that you can't bring in dollars through traditional means of investment. So in that regard, you know, with the oil prices where we have them right now, we see a funding gap for the country's balance of payments of about $30 billion. And that's with an oil price of just below $30 a barrel? Exactly right. Uh, we, we have a, a, a baseline uh, price of $28 uh, a barrel for the Venezuelan basket, which trades at a discount from the WTI and the Brent prices. So if Venezuela were to make it out of the year without defaulting, is there an oil pr uh, barrel price that you think they would have to hit? Do you guys at Moody's have a price that you're looking at for that? Taking into account uh, current import levels, and ba some basic assumptions about future consumption patterns, we think that the overall uh, uh, price that makes their balance of payment sustainable is around $55 to $60 a barrel. So I wonder if you could walk us through, in the short term, say this spring, people feel fairly confident that the, um, they'll be able to make, Venezuela will be able to make their payments, and that the first default significant possibility could come in October. Um, is that what you guys see? And then what are the other key milestones you see in 2017, maybe 2018? Sure. You've got two um, primary issuers of debt that you can default on, which is the Sovereign and PDVSA. Um, the Sovereign, uh, they have a, a $1.5 billion to, uh, global bond maturing February 26th, where that is their last maturity coming due, meaning that's, that's the last bond that actually comes due this year for the sovereign, and in 2017 they have no maturities. They only have to pay interest, and that's uh, every month that they're paying interest, but it's much smaller amounts in the order of you know, 200 million to less than $100 million each month. On the side of PDVSA, you, you don't have any major maturities from now until October. And then in October, and then again in November, you have two relatively large bonds coming due, plus the interest associated with them. So in total, uh, between October and November, PDVSA is due to pay about $5 billion. Um, their 2016 bond matures in October. A portion, one-third of their 2017 bond uh, matures in November. Um, following that, um, again, the sovereign doesn't have any principal payments, but PDVSA, again, 
uh, in the spring of 2017 would have you know an, another maturity that could complicate things. But indeed, the the likelihood that a credit event may happen is around that time when the payments are due. Even though you can't discard the possibility of a preemptive restructuring, which under our definition would still be a credit event. We do believe that the government is likely to default by the end of this year. Right now, our CAA3 rating, which speaks to not just the probability of default, but the expected loss, which is a function of probability of default and the loss imposed to creditors given a default. Um, both are extremely hard to measure, but, but we think that indeed the probability of default this year and over the next one to two years is 80 percent, um, and that the losses, if there is an event of default uh, imposed on creditors for PDVSA and the sovereign's debt, uh, would likely be in the order of you know, 35 to 40 percent. I wanted to ask in particular about uh, Venezuela's relationship with China and the holdings that China has. because. Um, from what I know, they're, they're mostly under terms that are fairly opaque. Can you explain that relationship and what are the different factors involved and how um, their holdings affect each other? China's relationship with, with Venezuela is you know, something that you probably see in Facebook. It's complicated because uh, you know, it's, it's not transparent. It's, uh, as, as you uh, suggested, there's you know, very little coming from both sides because it's, it's not something that's happening in the markets or there are no market instruments being traded between uh, the two entities. Then there's, there's a lot of opaqueness there. Um, well, what we do know is that China does consider Venezuela a strategic partner. Uh, and they have said that, which is strong words coming from the Chinese government. Um, what does that translate in, into in terms of, of a monetary value, in terms of dollars? Uh, quite a bit so far. Uh, but it's, it's not just you know, um, a freebie for Venezuela to some degree. There is, of course, China's interest, which is the oil. Venezuela owes, the latest estimate is around $30 billion in oil shipments to China. Um, a default on market debt should not touch the relationship between Venezuela and China. It's a different thing. It's a question of you know, China prepaying oil shipments and giving them uh, a little extra cash uh, in, to Venezuela in order to uh, be able to, to, to finance that balance of payments gap that we were talking about earlier. So you know, it's two things that are, that are a little bit uh, removed from each other. But at the same time, maybe even China might be able to, to provide some, some breathing room for Venezuela in order to service the debt. We think that, that China won't necessarily double down on Venezuela and provide increased support, but rather maintain the level of support that has been giving the country. If you were appointed finance minister tomorrow, what would be your first step on your first day? If, if I were appointed finance minister, um, and that's uh, Jaime Roish, you know, civilian, I think that the first measure that, that uh, Venezuela would have to take is, is of course, exchange rate adjustment. Um, that is the single biggest distortion that, that you see, relative price distortions in Venezuela caused by this artificially strong exchange rate. Um, so a depreciation, and it would have to be a major depreciation from the lowest official level, somewhere in between their highest exchange rate, Simari, and what you see in the parallel exchange market, um, so that you can have a significant adjustment of both the external accounts and other economic sectors uh, within Venezuela. Of course, there is a huge political capital that uh, you have to pay 
if you undertake this reform. If you take this measure, it's very likely that you won't be finance minister the very next day because you know people will hate you. This will uh, result in a lot of pain, a lot of adjustment, um, but in theory, you should follow that up with liberalizing capital controls, at least winding them down, not completely, but some watered-down version of what they have to allow for the entrance of foreign currency of dollars into this economy because you need that flow in order to compensate for your exchange rate movement. Well, I was going to ask then what would be your move on day two, but you might not be <laughs> in you office anymore. <laughs> All right, well, that is everything I have for you tonight. So again, thank you so much for being on the panel and for this interview, and I'm sure everyone will be very grateful to listen to it. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure to come to the council. Thanks for listening. For more, visit as-coa.org.